Hello and welcome to the 141st episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game Nihid Moat, which in this case is Echoplex by Output Games. Tyron, who are you? What do you do? Hey, uh, Chris. Um, I am the uh, game director of uh, of Echoplex, and uh, I guess I, I do a lot of things. There's two of us working on the game, so I do level design, I do video editing, I did a little bit of uh, voice acting for it, and uh, you know, as a as any good indie developer should do, we we wear a lot of hats. So so. That that and uh, lots of other things besides. That's amazing because there's some live action video going on in the game, isn't there? And uh, I noticed there's sort of like some some video footage of. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything because honestly, we're going to have to be very careful about how we spoil things in this particular show, everyone. Because Echoplex, sure. Echoplex is all about mystery, and not all yes. about. That's not true. That is not true. But a lot of it is about uh, mystery. There's also a lot of lateral thinking and not lateral thinking, <laughs> which gives, gives you a bit of a headache. But before we delve deep into Echoplex, let's find out about you, Tyron. How did you make your start making video games? You can go as well, far Chris. You mentioned the yeah. Oh, okay, you mentioned the the uh, live the live action uh, video elements in the game, and yes. my background is actually in indie filmmaking. Okay. I I started out uh, as a uh, went to film school and I, I, I directed um, TV commercials for a while and I made a, a couple of my own short films and uh, gradually the you know making films that are kind of longer and longer as I've gone along and I, I reached a point where I guess I, I, I looked around and I realized that that right now video games is probably the most exciting medium to be working in. And when I look at the the the, the way that um, the, the kind of atmosphere in indie games right now, I would compare it to the film industry in uh, the 1970s, where there was this just explosion of like suddenly uh, filmmaking became so accessible to people that anybody could make a film. And the result of that was that people started making some really interesting uh, things and if we look at the, the the indie games that have been coming out for the last few years, people are really starting to push uh, what the form can do. So I just I had to be a part of that, and so uh, the full motion uh, video elements of Echoplex are are kind of me bringing a little bit of my my filmmaking uh, uh, to the medium, but also seeing how I can integrate it in with uh, with the interactive experience with the. The, the the game graphics and 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 uh, try and get the the mystery that you mentioned that the player needs to unravel to really integrate with a you know a, 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 a story made up of cutscenes that hopefully feels pretty integrated. So this is your first foray into the realm of video games. Is that what I'm thinking? Absolutely. Wow! Not for the first time I've heard people coming in from other. The um, means of um, mediums, we say, like theatre, literature, and now filmmaking into into video games, and uh, a time where many people regard like twenty years ago that would be ridiculous, but that's not true. I think it's been going on for decades. In fact, it might have been going on since video games came into being that people realised that actually there's a crossover here. There's a there's a there's a thing here that we can use and exploit and enhance the experience of the audience and it's gone on from there. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. You know, there's two sides to it. The, the, the one is that you're in a completely new area suddenly. So you're suddenly uh, a beginner again in many ways. But the, the other side to it is that hopefully coming from, uh, coming from film or, or coming from, as we've seen people come from fashion or come from all these kind of different or writing, all these different backgrounds, hopefully you at least have a chance at, at looking at it in a fresh way or doing something a little bit unusual, a little bit out of the ordinary. Uh, so, so I think that 
that crossover can produce really exciting results in as much as it's it, it's quite in, it's quite intense for the developer at the center of it yes but the tools required or available now are much better than well easier and easier to to deal with than they were 10 20 years ago where you have things Absolutely, like unity yeah. you have things like you know unreal 4 um you have all these high level engines and things that take a lot of the um the grind of uh, working in assembly away from people because that's just gets in the way um you know we did, that's it's an important core component of any game development but uh, it's not something it's a means to an end and now we this means has become more and more democratizing as we've gone on people like yourself from other fields you may have looked on on video games in awe or confusion i don't want to speak for you but uh, like, what mm-hmm. is going on over there? What are they doing? And then it's, over the years, you've seen more and more things like, oh, that's it, damn it, I'm going to go involved. That's enough, enough. You know? <laughs> and that's what, yes. I get, that's what I get from you. It's like, that's it, enough. Like, I've, yeah. I've seen you do like Mass Effect and you tried. It was all right, I guess, but you could do so much better. You know? Yeah, and, it was fine. You know, it was fine. Yeah. You tried, but it wasn't quite there, was it? And we could do better. Here's this skills. Here's this fast skill set. It's a hundred years old, because that's what filmmaking is. I may be wrong in saying it. it's about a hundred years old, isn't it? Maybe a little older. Yeah, a little older. A little uh, over now. A little yeah. older now. About hundred twenty years now, and to, 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 to the, mm. got all you got all that, and you could sort of bring some of it, not all of it, because some of it's not relevant. You may disagree, but some of it's like that doesn't really work in this medium. But this really does. Yes. You know, and um, yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm, it says a lot. It says a lot that you are come from that background because there's been a lot of debates recently, and this isn't a topical show, but it's been it's sort of ongoing debate about the value of story in games. Do you come to games to stories? No. Yes. And like, well, I do, because I'm a kind of player that I explore and I like to see the worlds that people create. The reason I dive into a book and when I really dive into a book is mainly because the characters in it are interesting because, again, it's about characters, stupid. It's always about characters. You can make the most fantastic, wondrous world, but if the characters in it are obnoxious or just, just not particularly interesting, you've, you're, you're on a hiding to nothing. This is basic, really low-level filmmaking and, some, and screenplay writing, yet people still don't get that. Um, but, um, you know, it's... and. From what I get in Echoplex, it's very much a projection of you're a person. You're definitely taking up playing a role of someone. I won't say who or what. That's again, I don't mm-hmm. want to. But you are taking the role of someone, and you've definitely done that. And it's um, it's it's. I'm not going to say it's brave because that's patronising, but it's definitely uh, an inevitability <laughs> that that, right. that, that, that t- people from other fields, whether it be literature, music. You know, it's always been the way. There's lots of people, creative types, who've looked on at video games and go, I want to get involved with that. How do I do that? Absolutely. I've, I mean, I've been so inspired by people making uh, story-driven games out of really simple elements. I think Papers, Please was such an inspiration for me. Mm. As an example, we've got a very, very simple format. I mean, I, I marvel that games like, I think it's like 43 megs or something like that. It's this tiny game and uh, it's this very simple thing what you're doing is you know stamping you know you can you're denying someone's entry to the country or you're or you're letting them through and the story that they built out of that was was just so engaging and made you think so much after you played the game uh, and i think we can look at example like that dragon cancer or uh, you know as, as something that was a completely different on on narrative but and, and something that was very much rooted in reality so I just think the the form is ready now for people to start trying that trying things from a story point of view. I, I go back to the, the the film example. You know, in the 1960s, the 1970s, film cameras suddenly got small enough to hold in your hand. And before that, there'd been these huge things, and you had to like you know have a big studio and all these people to move a camera around. Suddenly, you could walk down the street and film something. And, and that changed everything. And it's, it's comparable to when you spoke about now platforms um, or engines like Unity that allow you to prototype really quickly and allow you to try things really quickly. And I think that has created such fertile ground for these storytellers who are coming from, from all different mediums. 
Yeah. Uh, that, that's a wonderful way of putting it. I never thought of it like that. Maybe because I didn't know about the history of film. I'm not, I'm not a um, film file, if it were, what a better phrase. I, I like certain films and genres and that sort of thing. And still one of my mm-hmm. favourite films is Fargo. I know, predictable, but I just like the characters in it. It was... It was there were some scenes. Wow, the Cohen brothers are amazing. They I mean, were thank you. masters. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes yeah. they get it wrong, but then again, every good master gets it wrong. Uh, yeah, they they yeah. got the on on one off one, you yeah, know, yeah. with their with their films. But but, uh, so, yeah, but yeah, they're, they're yeah, everything from Barton Fink to all sorts of extraordinary stuff, and uh, they are you know very 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 talented pair, and um, so to 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 know about. To equate handheld cameras, which I didn't know. Sorry, uh, it's not my field. To equate to a thing like Game Maker, if you will, is is wonderful. It's a brilliant. Yeah, Game Maker's gone. It's a very poetic way of doing it. I mean, the reason I cite Game Maker is a person I have a great good experience with that, that that particular platform. But also knowing that Hotline Miami was made using <laughs> that, still people are making serious games out of uh, out of out of every platform out there. Yeah, huh? it's out a, of every every engine. Just amazing, just amazing. Um, so the next question, then third question, and this question is very, very difficult to answer. You may actually, certainly, someone's from your background, you may go, "Oh, Chris, where are you going with this?" But just bear with me. You're sure. creator, obviously, of things. What do you believe has influenced you the most? That's a good question. It's a very nebulous question. I apologise for that, but you can form it and, and chisel it out into something as much as you want. I'm just handing you the, you know, the, the baton and going, what do you think? What do you think orbit, you'd find yourself orbiting? No matter how hard you try, you always find orbiting around it. it, it's, it I would have to say music. Um, I, I, I always find that probably the most interesting ideas or at least directions for an idea are going to come from kind of drawing from diverse sources. And, and when I was, I was growing up, people would have an allegiance to a type of music. They would say, you know, what kind of music do you listen to? That, that question just doesn't work anymore. It's not relevant anymore. And, and so for me, music is this kind of infinite form. It's a space of imagination and everything from Sure, I don't know. From uh, Nine Inch Nails to, you know, whatever Kanye West has just done and some crazy video that he's just created, uh, to to pretty much pretty much anything that's that's happening in the mainstream. I think there's you can find such inspiration from uh, atmospheres and ideas and um, kind of the the concepts if you look at the kind of production that Pharrell Williams does for example he 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 has such strong concepts that he's managed to consistently turn into hits and and i find all of that really inspiring i find it really inspiring so on echoplex i you know probably spent as much time working with our composer as i did designing levels or or doing any other part of it because i think it's such a it's such a, a important dimension to to uh, to a piece of work like that. Uh, music and video games have been synonymous of each other, whether we like it or not. So, over the years, it's been more and more. It's been more and more complex. But even to this day, things such as I'm sure you're familiar with chip tunes. You know, people make deliberately yeah. make music out of one would regard as terrible hardware. It is right, but they still manage to pluck something out of it. You know, uh, but it's an aesthetic, and yeah. and and even even when you listen to music that you may not necessarily like, uh, there is there is often something in there that's that's kind of interesting or might spark an idea, uh, because it's also structural. You know, music is 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 has that verse, chorus, verse, chorus, uh, bridge, bridge, solo, chorus, depending on what kind of genre it is. Yeah. Uh, but but it you, you know they they have to take an idea and they have to get into a structure just as we have to do with with story. Mm. Uh, so so that's really interesting and I think we can you know I've always thought of uh, a story is is if you want to tell a ninety minute story, it, it's kind of like making a mix. It's kind of like in the old days you would make a mixtape. Now you would just you know. Um, make a, a mix in Apple Music, maybe, but uh, you're, you're kind of um, you're taking a, a, a listener to different places, and in a particular sequence that gives you a feeling, you know. And, and you're doing the same thing, hopefully, with a with a story. 
yeah. the challenge for me with with the game is is I hate it when you play a game and a cutscene takes over and you're like, oh, okay, well, I might as well go make a cup of coffee now and I'll come back when you guys are finished because you no longer need me for this part. Um, the challenge is how do we how do we get story to be uh, an immersive experience that's that's the the player is is involved in and not just passively watching. It's interesting. There is a lot of pushback against cutscenes, but um, I'm going to confess I'm quite old. Everyone listens to the show knows I'm quite old. So my experience of cutscenes, I equate them to when I was very young when I was playing text adventures. And when I was mm-hmm. playing text adventures, and these are really old ones like The Hobbit and things like this, and I would be rewarded when I discovered a new area by a lovely picture <laughs> that would take ages to draw on the screen. Right. Because the computers are really slow yes. and old, but as it revealed itself, that was my reward. I didn't want points. I wanted a new picture, you know, to to, to see yes. what someone had invented, what had created. Because I, I was fascinated. I've always been fascinated by what other people have invented from their brains and then tried to present in some way. Um, so right. that's for me. A cutscene is like that, unless it becomes like you say. I'm just going to pop off now and have a cup of tea while you're done. Um, I, you know, non-skippable cutscenes is apparently the the bane of video games. Yes, that and um, escort missions—the two things that no one likes in video games—yet they keep on coming back over and over. Yes. Like, look, no one likes escort missions, but no, this is different. No, it isn't. <laughs> so, so, so we did we did two things in Echoplex. The one yeah. is that you can skip the cutscenes yeah. if you want to, yeah. but the other is that they're basically uh, flashes. And and my my approach was to try and keep them as short as humanly possible. So they they a lot of them are uh, less less than two seconds. A lot of them are less than three seconds. And then every at the end of every sort of chapter, so every kind of three or four levels, uh, they assemble into a longer piece that you can watch. Um, we've had some feedback. Some people think that it was an ex- kind of an experimental approach, and some people think like, wow, it's a little bit disorientating. But I, I really like the idea of kind of taking you by surprise and leaving you wanting to see the next piece as opposed to having an endless dialogue scene explaining the plot or explaining yeah. what's what's happening. I don't know when Echoplex is set. I'm not going to guess. And you might yell at me, so uh-huh. please stop talking. But, you know, I'm not sure when it is set or where it is set. Um, uh-huh. But there is an atmosphere. Are, are you going to take a guess, or are you asking? No, no, me? I don't want to do that. I mean, um, I've got a good idea, but I don't want to. We'll talk about it after the show you know, because I don't want to spoil. Because I want people to play this game for the experience of themselves. Um, but sure, um, well, it's a, it's a it is an interesting point that you raise because I did work quite carefully to make sure that the time period is difficult to place. Mm. So there are kind of indicators, and 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 uh, Chris, you you will have you will have seen them having played the game, I'm sure. There's kind of indicators that it might belong to you know a few decades ago, what might be the near future. Yeah. But uh, I, I because the theme of the game is is uh, so much around around time and kind of displacement, I I did want to make sure that. You can't really orientate yourself as to when it is either. But one thing that did strike me, and again, we're going to talk about this later in the second half of the show, is um, there's a definite sense of menace going on. I mm. feel that. You may have not, 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 wasn't your intention, but the announcer, the, the voice that talks to you and tells you, informs you of your current status, is not. Mm-hmm. It has, is not at all caring. It implies that they are. But there's no. this tone of like, you're in big trouble, and yes. um, you don't know what you've done because you don't remember. Which is a great, you know, tabula rasa is a wonderful thing to do in storytelling. It's a very good, it's a very good. It works because, you know, it, of course, it does because it allows the 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 audience member to paint the to fill in the tabula, um, but to, or to, you know, the, the 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 right to write the story themselves or read the story themselves. Uh, discover it themselves rather than you, you know, starting from scratch and then having to explain all the baggage and all the neuroses that this character yes. has, which is also can be fun, but is also extremely draining. Um, Maybe it's easier to see yourself in the situation if if you do have to fill some gaps in yes. yourself. Because you project. It's easier to project yourself yeah. into that character. That's what you do. Even the best role players in the world still project a part of their character. 
So mm. next question then, and this may be hard for you to answer. I don't know how much of a uh, a consumer of the medium that you've now delved into uh, you are, but what developer in the video game space do you most in the, in the industry and why? Wow, that's that's also a really good question. Someone who I find inspiring maybe for different reasons is definitely Evan Greenwood, who is the uh, creative director at Free Lives. So, uh, you know, it's, it's partly because he's, uh, he's also South African and, and he's uh, someone who I've, I've looked up to a lot. Uh, so they made, um, they made Bro, Bro Force, they re- recently made Gentle Jousting. So it's a very different type of game to the one that maybe that I'm yes, yes. interested in. But, but he has uh, done so well to, to build kind of a world around his games that is just fun and people want to be a part of. And, and recently they uh, so, some of the listeners may may have seen um, his game jam island web series where they they basically moved the company to uh, like a tropical island uh, mauritius and they they basically did game jams on this island and they invited developers from around the world and it was just the most fun to watch and and kind of almost building a like a mythology around what they do, which was just was just so fun and just fit fit the world of his games so well. So he's someone I really look up to, just from the point of view of someone who's really got out there and 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 is doing it. You know, he's got an idea and he's he's following through on it and he's making it happen. And I, I, as an as an indie developer, that's like the most inspiring thing. That's not the I'm not you know I think your question was more about the content of games, but. He's someone. He's the first person who comes to mind for me. That's no, fantastic answer. I don't pres- presume anything. I've had I've, I've had answers from you know. Oh, I don't know. Nintendo. They're pretty good. That's fine. That's a perfectly valid yeah. response. It is a good response. Or everything from what you said. You know, a particular person. Uh, 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 you know, someone as uh, uh, the vanguard of indie game development. Uh, and uh, Broforce is one of the most entertaining and funny games I've played in recent years. Um, it's it's just it's just one of the, yeah it's one I've had three myself and three others rolling about on our couch trying to you know laughing so hard at what we're seeing um, and also laugh you know enjoying the game itself it's that's a, a credit to them and the developer because making someone laugh in a video game is very hard <laughs> you know comedy's hard but doing it in a video comedy comedy is hard in any form but yeah. I, I guess it, it, in, in a game where in a game it's even harder yeah yeah. But um, again, that uh, self-depreciating humour of like, you know, bros, the whole con- culture of that. Isn't it ridiculous? I'm now going to make a game about how ridiculous it is. <laughs> exactly. Basically exactly. This is brilliant. Okay. Um, and, and, yeah. and, you know, the other, the other uh, name that uh, pops to mind is definitely William Pugh uh, on, on Stanley Parable. Yes. Yes. Um, and with the other work that they've done because they've just come at narrative from such an interesting angle yeah. and uh, I found that really inspiring as well. It's lovely to go down a corridor. No, it goes down the left-hand side. Oh, right, going down right, are you? Oh, that's you, is it? Lovely. You're all about <laughs> the re- rebel, aren't you, eh? Yeah, yeah. We know your sort, et cetera, et cetera. It's just wonderful. Uh, and, of course, the fastest way to finish the game is just to listen to what he yes. says. Do it, do uh, it in 10 minutes. Which took me a while to figure out. Like, yeah, just do what he says. No, just do it. <laughs> anyway, the last question, and this is a question I, I have to ask because we're, we're recording a podcast about video games. So I have to sure. ask this question. I says jokingly, but uh, what are you playing right now? What am I playing right now? I've I've actually been playing Don't Starve. Um, Okay. The the sort of little survival simulation game looks a bit like a Tim Burton kind of animation in a way. It does, very inspired by his work, yes. Uh, and and to me that's just uh, it's it's such a brilliantly designed game there's no instructions they don't you know there's no uh, tutorial they just drop you into this world and you figure things out as you go along and I had kind of been looking at it this fairly limited way like let me gather enough to sort of make a fire and gather a berry so that I can eat and when I went to the wiki and had a look at it I was like my word you can repurpose every item in this in this world into something else uh, so so I'm interested in playing games that are very different from the type of games that I'm designing because that's, that's obviously you want to draw from as many diverse sources as possible. But that is one that I've just 
thoroughly enjoyed playing. Um, it's just a really, really well-designed game. I think when I first encountered it, I thought, wait, so you just got to not die? Yeah, that's what it's asking you to do. Clues <laughs> yeah. in the title, you moron. Shut up. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, yeah, don't starve. What? Just don't, that, in fact, that's the lovely thing about it. You said there's no instructions. I would counter that. There is. It's, it's, a, in the title. it's the title. You're right. <laughs> don't starve. It's the shortest tutorial ever. Yeah, I, I, again, we've had... Um, there's a developer of a game called Future Unfolding we've had on the show, and uh, he mm-hmm. does no instructions at all uh, in his game. Uh-huh. And uh, he says, well, the premise being that, well, you know, you pick up a controller and you just move the thumbstick, right? And it does something because, you know, right. he, he relies on prior knowledge. Whether that's the right thing to do or, or the wrong thing to do, you, you could argue against. But he just argues, well, one knows that, right? And he... It's well, not everyone, but for, for his audience. I, I, yeah. as, I aspire to have no instructions, definitely. Yeah, just to... uh, the, 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 I think uh, for, for us it was like, if we're going to have some instructions, let's make sure they're uh, at least as entertaining as possible. We'll kind of leave, leave some uh, interesting questions in the mind of the player because uh, – you know, instructions can be fun. They can be they can be good as well. As we saw in Stanley Parable, all of that is him giving you instructions, which you either listen to or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> good point. And Portal is a fantastic example of uh, the whole game's built. Portal's a yeah. great example as well. Yeah, so yeah. Let's, make fun, let's make instructions fun and funny. And, you know, it's... Uh, and to the point where I lie about uh, uh, your goal, your carrot. I'm, yes, I'm not, yes. I'm going to give you a carrot going to give you a cake but it's not actually true yes. i'm actually going to dump you into a pit of fire yes <laughs> where there will be cake where there will be cake yeah <laughs> and uh, even though I thought, oh god it's been so long since that game was released it still echoes true no pun intended um so true but uh well that's it for the first half unless you want to talk about any other games you've been talking you've been playing you know, I I don't play as many games as I would like to, just because the uh, the indie dev thing tends to be pretty all-consuming. But uh, but Don't Starve has definitely been a good That's one. Yeah, a good call. Uh, I, I, yeah, it works really good on the consoles as well. There's a great migration over to those platforms. Right. Well, that's the first half over with. Well done. It's the first boss done with. Cool. <laughs> it's like, you know, like a belt. That's the first, first boss, boss, yeah, man. Knock that one out. And um, so let's uh, move on to the second half of the show where we delve deep into Echoplex. So Echoplex is a first-person puzzle game set in a, uh, a near-future or possibly near-past world. And in the Echoplex, which is a simulation, you're followed by a duplicate of yourself, uh, which we call an Echo. And this Echo repeats everything that you do exactly, just a few seconds after you do it. And if your Echo catches up with you or you run into your echo, uh, the level resets and you have to kind of start the simulation again. And the point of the game is to try and outwit your echo um, by planning quite carefully what you're going to do and using timing so that you can move through each simulation and unlock memory fragments that are going to help you understand who you are because you're your kind of sense of, of history and sense of past has kind of become jumbled up and it's all out of order. And, uh, and so it is uh, a mystery that you're trying to solve as you're working through the puzzles and, and working with your, with your echo or echoes, depending how far into the game you get. Yeah. I, I don't want to delve too, cause there's so much, so much to find out. And, uh, and again, you said, you know, who you are, but I was about to volunteer and what you did. 
and what you did, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is not maybe those story. two are connected. Yeah. Maybe those two are connected, and maybe that's what they're trying to find out. Who are they? We don't know. Um, so yeah, I mean, you put this mask on. Well, the character puts this mask on, and when they do, they then enter this um, simulation, as you say, which they go through um, various sort of it's a puzzle after puzzle, and it's what you're trying to do is use these puzzles as a means to unlock memories because your memories have been shattered for reasons that are never explained. Well, they probably are, but let's not go there. And mm-hmm. um, you are helpless, and the only way to get retrieve your sense of self and sense of who you are and what you are and what you did um, is to go through this series of simulations. Now, what you've hinted at is that you use time. Time is a core component to Echoplex, more than any other puzzle game in my opinion uh, many games don't actually use time mm. as a component they just say well you know you've got all the time in the world to figure this out but recently yes. I, recently i found a lot of games do rely on the fourth dimension so we say uh, in, yes. in, 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 the, in their game design of course braid being one of the most famous so yes you here you are trying to introduce the fourth dimension into a game which is no mean feat but uh, how do you believe echoplex benefits from its presence both as a game and an experience that uh, point you make about using time you know that the, the fourth dimension of time into the game is is so important because in echoplex your your opponent is is yourself just a few seconds ago and and that kind of changes how you think about your actions. In many games, you know, you'll get a gun and you have an enemy and you're going to run after him and you're going to try and kill him. And in here, the enemy that is pursuing you is very, very closely uh, and, and precisely directed by what you did in the past. And I think people connect with that on, on all kinds of different levels. Um, one is people people say, well it's kind of scary at first to see this previous version of yourself running after you now. And, but gradually you, you, uh, as you go through the levels, you start realizing like, it's not, he, he's not necessarily an, uh, an enemy because if I manipulate him in the correct kind of way, he can actually kind of help me get through, get through the puzzles. So he's, he's neither good nor bad. He's just, he's just you. And, and, and that's, I think that that kind of resonates with people. There's something, there's something interesting about that. Um, the idea that, uh, we may, we may sometimes feel like we're being pursued by choices that we, by our past, you know, pasts that we've made choices that maybe we regret or we wish we'd chosen something differently. But, um, but in the end, it, it, it isn't really good or bad. It's it's just kind of it's kind of what's happening, and now you've got to work with it. And and that's that's the kind of feeling that I wanted to capture with that that uh, fourth dimension that you mentioned of time in the game. Yeah, and it benefits it hugely. I think you know, without it, it wouldn't be wouldn't be much game there really. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't work. It would just be a series of platforming levels that you jump through. It's yeah. pretty minimal otherwise. Yeah, yeah. pretty minimal <laughs> otherwise. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking of time, then let's stick to to this theme. You introduced a time limit recently, relatively recently, to the game, and uh, also adding a premonition action within a complex yes. where you just hit the tab key and you then see what time freezes and you see time freezes, yeah, and you can just go around and uh, have a look, explore the level, and see how you're going to finish it or you know trigger it or complete it. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was thinking of. How did this come about? <sighs> Um, well, uh, I know that, uh, at least, uh, some of your listeners are, are devs themselves. And if you've ever put a game out there, uh, you'll know that the first uh, negative review that you get, the first serious negative review you get is, is, I mean, for me, it was kind of devastating to be honest. I had expected, uh, trolls, you know, and you expect people to write things like worst game ever, or, you know, that kind of sort of flippant, um, kind of negative review, but when uh, like an established user uh, who's got 500 games in their account and they've written 40 reviews, kind of writes this really intelligent, insightful, 500 word takedown of your game, it it it's 
it really kind of took me by surprise a little bit. I, I think uh, maybe naively, uh, I wasn't kind of totally prepared for that. And so once the initial, like, it took me a day of, like, feeling kind of depressed about it. And then the next day I thought, what this guy's written, um, and it was a it was a, a Chinese user, so I also had to, you know, get it translated. And uh, it was a period of time where I had to wait and see what, what he's actually written because it kept getting upvoted. People kept going, this was useful, this was useful, this was useful. So this negative review just moved to the top of the page. Mm. And... Uh, you know, when you when you just launch something, and it, it's 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 a pretty stressful experience. And so, when I got it translated, and I read through it, and I realized that the reason that people are supporting this guy's point of view, because I think at that point there was like ninety five percent of the users had found that review useful, um, uh, who had read it. And I realized once I once I read through the translation that what he had written was was kind of a blueprint for what the first major update should be once i stripped the emotion out of it of like wow you know someone's like attacking this thing we worked on so hard for two years and i think the reason it was getting upvoted and supported so much by the user base is that it was something that people really felt you know those the kinds of changes that they really wanted to see so you know, I took some of his points. I took uh, a lot of feedback uh, from other players, which was some of it was good and some of it was bad. And people who enjoyed the game had also said, made comments like, you know, it's really great. Sometimes I just wish I had some time to look around the level without the echo following me, but I still really enjoyed it. So we kind of put all of that feedback together and and came up with a strategy for the first major update, which we call the Premonition Update. And a big, a big part, a big problem that we had to solve was that because you had an infinite amount of time in the level, you could basically run around blindly uh, until law of averages randomly. Eventually, you would you would land up unlocking the level because it's you and your echo is chasing you, and uh, as long as you just keep going, eventually you, you'll probably unlock it just by luck. So we put a time limit onto the level that's very specific to each puzzle and a lifespan onto each echo. So you've got to basically use them while they're alive. And then we added the premonition uh, function, which allows you to freeze time. So you can stop the echoes in their tracks for a moment and you can actually kind of float around the level. It's almost an out of body kind of experience and actually look at the puzzle and spend some time thinking about it. So the response to this has been really positive and it was, I think for me, also, like this is my first experience uh, of, a, of having a game in early access, and it was for me the first time that early access I really understood this is what it is. It's you, you're putting something out there that is not finished. It's got 15 levels. It's a playable experience for a couple of hours, but it is a work in progress. And some of the things that we're going to add to it are not things that we anticipate. They're they're going to come from the players. They're going to come from feedback, and they're going to. A lot of the time, it's going to come from negative feedback. It's not going to come from people who love the game, and uh, so it's been a, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, but uh, what, what const- a, like I feel so lucky to have had that experience. Yeah, that's what constructive criticism is about. It's, you know, it's people say that phrase, but it's a very odd phrase, isn't it? it doesn't it is? It's very difficult to, you know, people are going to equate it, and you may disagree, but. You know, political correctness is a terrible phrase. It's awful. It doesn't mean anything at all. Doesn't, what do you mean by that? Right. It's terrible. What are you, what are you, what are you trying to do? And get a bit emotional here, but it's just about treating people with respect. That's what it was or is. Absolutely. That's what it is. But no one likes to word it that way. It's very peculiar. But no, it's that's what you're doing. And again, thank you. For make for using or creating early access as it was originally intended. You know, it's not about funding an unfinished game. No, it's about putting mm. it out and go. We've made this concept, we're going with it, but we can need a little bit more help just to bring it home. And that's what you're doing. So, that's absolutely. I, yeah. I think the early early access has, has kind of gotten this bad reputation. Is the stigma around it because people are not following. Uh, what it was intended originally intended for, which is, which is this is for you and the community to work together to make a, a game that everyone wants to play. Uh, it's not an opportunity to try and make a quick buck off an asset flip or off, you know, putting out one half finished level or something like that. It's yeah. it's uh, it, it's it's 
it's really for me right now it, it, one of the most exciting kinds of creative environments you can be in, which is you've got a direct line to your audience. So, so I hope that we'll see more of that in early access. And certainly, if you look at like um, the guys who've just released Astroneer um, in early access, and, and I, I guess there's, there's a whole bunch of examples. But there are people, I think, who are treating early access with real respect, and and you can see it in the games that they're producing. Just go back to a point you raised earlier, um, the echo and his presence, or his not her. What mm. is you're playing a, 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 a male person, so we're going to call. Uh, yeah, I, we we try to we try to use a, a gender neutral term because because yeah. uh, you know I guess if if the player is female, the echo echo is technically female. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and although there is a story, we never know what twists and turns that story may may no. take. So yeah. So let's say the player then. The players, I believe. Now you said you counted this, saying that he's not an enemy, but he does come across as, or they come across as a bit of a menace. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, to the point where you, where you, when the player is close, but not touching, but close to the echo, the screen starts to distort quite a lot. At least that's what I think is right. I'm thinking that. Yes. Why? So there is a there is a there obviously an atmospheric component to that, which is which is that the echo is kind of a, a glitch in space time, and it's not supposed to be there. So if you get closer to each other, it, it's kind of the, the the breakup that's happening in the simulation is is almost like the beginning of an error. So there's an atmospheric sort of tension element there. There's also uh, it's also a practical consideration that if your echo is running up from behind you, we want to make sure that you know about it. Um, so that it is, it is a way for you to be aware of the echo's position uh, while you're while you're playing. That's wonderful. I mean, that's just that's also ingenious as well. Like you, you obviously thought, well, the player can't see them, but they know they're coming up behind them. How do they know that they're close without them actually, you know, failing? Well, let's just distort the screen and put, put some put some sure. atmospheric sound in. Brilliant. <laughs> I think, and and as far as as far as possible, if if that sort of thing can have a justification within the story, that that always does make it stronger. So it does. It so does. you know, and then later on in the story, obviously, the when you've got more than one echo uh, running running after you, a few seconds apart, so you'll see the same kind of things happen if they get close to each other, and of course, there's there's a, a detonation if they if they happen to collide. Um, so, so what was what I think what's what's uh, cool about that is that when you're seeing two echoes running around, you're you're basically seeing it's basically works exactly the same way as as if, as though you were one of them and the one you, know, you were one of the two echoes. So, so hopefully that kind of gives that sense of um, the you know, duplication and space time for the player. Yeah, yeah. It's just a fascinating thing when when the you turn around and you see yourself running towards yourself like oh get out of the way it's quite it's quite unnerving <laughs> it's quite unnerving uh, and when I first very opening level which is brilliant really well designed it's like yeah if you walk down the left of this corridor you're gonna run into yourself really yeah look oh god no and it's just <laughs> very strange to see yourself walking and the fact you're wearing this white mask this faceless sort of well not faceless but this expressionless mask is even more. Yes. menacing i know that's not what your intention was but i just found it quite disturbing and menacing um not in a way of like we're having nightmares about it but it is quite it, it, it racks up the atmosphere whether you like it or not uh, well you, you know you, you'd have to you'd have to each person would have to answer this question for themselves but but if i asked you if you if you did happen to be in an environment where there was a duplicate of yourself yeah would you rather be able to look into your own face or would you rather that that face was covered in some way. Yeah, it's the latter. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I will definitely answer the latter to that. So the final question, I know all good things have to come to an end, but the final question no. is this. There are a series of, now I'm not going to, there's much more to this than that, but this is the first sort of like thing that you throw it at the player. There's much more puzzles and you know, complexities involved, but one of the earliest puzzles that you throw in are the coloured switches that mm-hmm. are triggered when the player goes through them, or indeed when the player's echo goes through them. So, 
How do you believe you signpost to the player that their alternative selves or their past selves can actually trigger these things and actually keep them open themselves while they move on or they do something else in the latter part of the level? How do you believe you're signposting this? So that was something that we did want the player to be able to learn experientially instead of having it explained to them. So there isn't, although there are kind of short safety videos, which are, are kind of disguised tutorials. We don't ever uh, explain the switches. It's something that the player learns as they go. So in the first level, you walk into the space and, and you don't know anything about the space yet and there's a locked door and you discover that there's this kind of uh, electric field that's moving across uh, the one part of the, the corridor. And uh, if you walk through it, it unlocks the door. And it, it, the door is the corresponding color to the field. So, so that's cool. And then you go to the next level. And this time when you walk through the field, uh, it locks the door in front of you and you can't get through. And there is no way to finish that level until your echo appears and you discover, oh, if my echo walks through that switch, the door opens and I can get through. So that's just the simple way that we introduce that. And we really needed um, a device that could work um, basically just by walking through it because we wanted you, your, your action and the Echo's action to have the, exactly the same effect. So, so that is how the switches work. So far, everybody seems to be on board with that um, to progress through the game. Yeah. But it was a little bit of a risk because we, we don't ever explain it. But I, I, th I think most people have kind of experientially worked their way through it. Yeah. Basically, that's what I was trying to draw out for you there is that Echoplex is all about you know, um, experiencing and experimenting and playing and prodding and trying to figure yeah. things out. I don't find it frustrating. I just find it exhilarating when I actually figure something out. Go, see, I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's just but the best games do this. I mean, you'll remember with, with Portal, like, like I felt smart every time I finished a level oh, yeah. at Portal. I'd be like, man, yeah. I, really, I got this game. Yeah. I really know what's going no, on That's all thinking. Yeah. See, I so, got it, see, even though it isn't. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so, so that's something changed. It's like, you know, the game makes me feel smart and I'm, 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 I'm pretty much for it. Yeah, I think Portal 2, and I can, you know, the game's old enough now. Get over it. You know, firing something at the moon. is <laughs> just right at the end. Sure. Like, yep. Yeah. Well, what else are you supposed to do? It's the moon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but, um, no, Tyron, it's been fantastic having you on. Um, just to be clear, Echoplex is out on Windows PC. Any other platforms? Or is it just... Yeah, it's uh, on Mac as well, on OS X. Yep. Good. Yep. Um, no Linux uh, yet, but no. uh, but maybe uh, at some point. I uh, I have a Mac laptop, you see, so I asked that question to do for our own own edification. Also, a lot of our listeners uh, use Macs as opposed to PCs as well. But well, I, my, my yeah, main, I mean, yeah. I, I I work on a Mac most of the time, so I always want to make sure yeah. that uh, the Mac users are taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, it's it's available on Steam Early Access on. Uh, for for Mac Mac and Windows Windows PC yeah my main gaming PC is is a, is a PC is a Windows PC uh, um, for you know because of the vast breadth of titles you can't limitless then um, yeah but whether we like it or not you can write in and yell at me but it's true uh, <laughs> um, like I said well if you if you want to call yourself a serious gamer yeah uh, you know you're you're pretty much going to have to have one of those machines you do sorry. Um, Tyrant, like I said, it's been fantastic having you on. You've been really open. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Yeah, I hope you got something out of it. I certainly did. Um, wish you the very, very best of luck with Echoplex. I'll be watching it very closely and uh, and playing it here and then and see how things progress with it in this evolution. I'm not going to tie you down to what well, is going to be out then. That's just rude and wrong. It will be out. It will be, <laughs> be done when it's done, everyone. Stop it. Yeah, I, I would have to give you some kind of vague answer if, if you if yes. you uh, if you did ask me that. But but it, it's it's definitely going to be this year. Yes. Oh, um, well, you know, I'm not going to hold you to that. But uh, you know, but uh, just keep doing what you're doing. That's all I can say to you because you're going the right way and you're going the right way about it as well.
Well, thank you very much uh, for having me on your show. And I hope that uh, when we release the full version, when we exit early access, I can come back again because hopefully I'll have uh, a bunch of new stuff to talk about then too. That'll be that'll be amazing. We've never had that before. We have had return guests. That's true. However, the guests have returned to talk about another game, the next game they've made since the last interview. Okay. I can, I can try and throw a new game on the end as well yeah. if you want. <laughs> but no, it's, you're right. Well, quite frankly, if Echoplex has advanced and developed to the point where you're describing it, it's going to be different game anyway. So why not? Um, new game plus for uh, Sausage Factory. Brilliant idea. <laughs> okay. Well, again, thank you very much, Tyron. Sure. Thank you so much for having me on, Chris. And so ends another episode of The Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up The Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me, any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to this show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com also don't forget to check out the computer game show which is the stablemate podcast should we say of spong.com bye